Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, everyone. Good afternoon. My name is Ed Taylor. Taking your calls and your questions this afternoon. It's been a couple weeks, I think, that I have been in studio. Uh, I was at a couple of conferences in the last two weeks uh, where I'm able to be here uh, and for our church services on the weekends and then fly out. They were both actually in California. Uh, one I had the privilege of teaching at, uh, where I was able to share on the topic of suffering in ministry. Uh, and uh, we, we had a great time. I started with a Bible study, kind of a, a you know, can the, the edification of the saints comes through the teaching of the Word of God. And, and so we started with the teaching and then opened up for Q&A and you know, quite a bit of pain in that room. And, you know, it's kind of a hard, uh, it's a hard topic to cover because you go into a conference and you want to be encouraged and built up. And when you're looking at all, it was a workshop. It wasn't a main session, but it was a workshop. And, you know, you're looking at the workshops, how to grow your church. I mean, that, that's not a real topic in ours, but, um, you know, how to be happy in ministry, how to how to smile, you know, I, I'm exaggerating, but then there's suffering in ministry, and and who really wants to to spend their time at a conference on the topic? I mean, you live with suffering every day, and and, and you go to a conference to be encouraged, but, but quite a few people came out. I was surprised. I did it twice, and 50-plus people had come out, and, and I just counted a great privilege that they would trust me with a couple hours of their time that we might be able to talk about uh, through the truths of God's word and our mutual experience um, of what suffering looks like in the ministry and how can you thrive in the midst of suffering and what do you do when your friends turn on you or you're betrayed by people that you trusted or on and on. The list was on and on uh, large of the things that people were going through. I actually turned off the recording for the Q&A, uh, uh, most of it at least, so that we could talk frankly uh, in that room, and and I was just thinking, you know, that mutual experience uh, reminds me of Second Corinthians chapter one, verse three, where it says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation." Notice that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. So God does a work in us so that he might do a work through us. And in this case, we're very actively involved. We're not passive participants, but we're very actively involved. So that was good. And then last week, we, I went to another conference. Uh, and uh, the first one was the CGN conference in Costa Mesa. And the second one was the CCA conference in Calvary Chapel Golden Springs with Pastor Raul Reese. And and for that one, uh, I wasn't invited to teach, but I was definitely encouraged um, by my time there. And I went out with some of the guys <clears throat> where we were able to uh, spend some time in California and do a little coffee tour. And 
and and spend a little bit of time encouraging one another uh, because we're always serving, 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 uh, which is what we've been called to do. Love it. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and your questions. Uh, Of course, we want you guys to call from the East Coast. So if you're listening on Hope FM, please do call. Uh, If you're listening on Truth FM, give us a call. Remember, uh, you guys listening on Grace FM, you're listening live, uh, unless it says at the beginning that it was a rebroadcast, uh, like on a holiday or something. But you're listening live. But you guys on Hope FM and Truth FM, you're listening one week delayed. And so you'll hear, you'll call the show when it's on. You will talk live. You'll be heard live all throughout the Grace FM radio network, but you won't hear it in town till the following week, which is kind of cool. So that if you call today, you can tune in next week and hear yourself. Uh, if you, and and so um, that's how it's broadcast. One week delay, and uh, just grateful uh, to be with you. So give me a call three zero three six nine zero three thousand, and remember the text line is seven two zero. Three three six zero eight nine seven seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go right to the phone lines with our friend Bianca. Bianca, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Pestred? Well, I'm doing good, Bianca. I'm not sure which Bianca this is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's going on? I just have a prayer request for the church in general. I have a sense that lately the enemy's been using his tactics to try to to not have us share the truth with people, and I know I'm guilty of that too, and so... I just like prayer for us as a whole that that we don't listen to the enemy and yeah. and if we have to speak out the truth that we just do it boldly yes. because I know the enemy confuses calling sin sin with tall with hate speech and and all of that stuff and i've been listening to a sermon from another church and and it was really convicting and we really need to be praying for us as believers would you like to do that and then you'll finish sure i'll finish it All right. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for us as a body of believers, Lord, because I know the enemy's trying to get us to to be quiet about our faith, Lord, by when we call sin, sin, Mm. they think we're using hate speech, Lord, and and there are so many other things that the enemy's doing, Lord. And I just pray that we be more, more bold, Lord, and in sharing the truth and love in whatever way we need to do it, Lord. And 
And if they end up hating us because we shared the gospel with them, then that we would know that they're not hating us, but they're hating you, Lord. But I just pray that you remove the slumber from our eyelids, Lord, or whatever it is that's going on that's not allowing us to really share the truth, Lord, because we really need to wake up in times like this, in Jesus' name. I agree with my sister, Lord. She has that sensitivity. Um, I know that, that you have... You have, you have given her a, a keen sensitivity, even though she has a physical limitation. Uh, you've enhanced other senses, and one of those is her spiritual sense. You've made her very sensitive to things like this, and so I agree with her as she prays for the church that we might be uh, what you intend us to be in these last days, especially just in boldness and courage. Um, God, even even as accusations might come against us, Lord, as we're sharing the truth, I also pray that we would not not only be bold and courageous, but be prayerful, careful, and loving, Lord, that what we do share, when we do share the truth, that we would share the truth in love. Love. And not only the motive of seeing a person saved, like, well, I'm sharing this hard truth because I love you, but but rather also sharing the truth, God, lovingly, and in love. And so we just pray for both of those. And I know that when we're praying for the church, God, we're praying for ourselves because we're the church. And so we want to be faithful and your responsibility that you've entrusted to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot. See you tonight. Okay, Bianca, can I ask you a question before you hang up? All right. Uh, It's about your blindness. Is that okay? All right. Okay, so you were with us on Sunday night. Uh, for our afterglow, and yeah. and and uh, you know what a, a wonderful experience that is. Um, but I'm curious <clears throat> because I think the Holy Spirit really moved in a mi- mighty way. Um, in 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 because of the limitation of your your sight, is there any? How do you experience the afterglow? What, what does that What does that feel like for you? What What exactly? How do you experience the presence of God in the afterglow? Like, can you share any of that with us? I guess it's mostly in worship that I start to experience the presence of God, not just in the afterglow, right? But, but sometimes I just get this feeling like. I'm not really sure how to describe it. I I know it's definitely coming from the Lord. And, yes. And, and I guess in a way my blindness is a good thing because I, I don't get really distracted like yes. people that have sight do because I know... I'm sure that there's probably people looking at their phones or whatever, uh, but that's good. Do you do you find that you have a um, is your hearing more sensitive because of your blindness? Um, 
Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. It just depends. Okay, and then and then one more question. One of the things that uh, many people in the room are doing during the afterglow, you know, when we're worshiping or we're waiting and listening, is is we have our Bibles open, uh, and a lot of people have their Bibles open. And you can hear the pages ruffle sometimes, because because I think in some respects we we all close our eyes in prayer and in these times of of intimacy with the Lord because we want to we want to block out distractions. But there are occasions when we're reading through the Bible and people are sharing scriptures. Do you find that that God ever reveals a scripture to you like supernaturally, or, or um, reveals a scripture to you that you memorized during an afterglow? I think that might be the case, although, of course, I never say Mark chapter 2, verse right. 1, or whatever it right. might be, but, but I just get these quotes sometimes. A lot of times yes. I don't know where they're coming from, but I know I've definitely heard them or read them before, and 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 that's a good thing, you know, because uh, even if you, like you said, you don't know where they're coming from, um, we're hoping that the Holy Spirit would inspire them, but if not, that's why the elders are there, because the elders will be able to say amen to something or correct something. But, you know, we really haven't had to do much of that. Like, it just our times of gathering like that have been so sweet and and so, like, powerful of how, how God wants to speak to His people in a supernatural way, not just through Bible study. So anyway, I was just curious about that. So thanks for sharing a little bit of your life with us. Yeah, I really liked the seating arrangement for the afterglow, too, because it just, I guess it gave me even more of a sense of awareness. Oh, right on. Because a lot of the times, and maybe even someday we should pray about doing it some other way, just so yeah, be we all get a sense of, you know, what it would be like to worship in other languages, Ooh. I guess. You know, I had this vision the other day, I don't know if this is from the Lord or not, but where we had a, I don't know if it was us or another church, but but everyone seemed to come together in unity for... Yes. It maybe wasn't an afterglow as much as it was a worship service. Oh, right but, on. But I know that people... We're worshiping in several different languages where maybe a few, maybe, for example, a worship team from one place Mm. got up and and shared a couple songs, and then then a worship team that a different worship team shared a few songs and it was in a different language. And That's pretty cool. And so maybe the Lord's trying to steer us somewhere with 
said, or I don't know, maybe we should pray about that and see what the Holy Spirit has. Well, thank you for offering that. See you tonight. All right. See you tonight. All righty. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. You, got, you regular listeners uh, to, to Calvary Live know are familiar with Bianca by her voice. She is blind. Uh, she's a member here. Uh, we're not membership. She comes to Calvary Aurora. And uh, we love her, appreciate her, and, and always have something to learn. That's one of the things I like about this show. Uh, I like about it when I'm listening to other pastors host it or when I get the chance to host it myself is I'm not just here for answers. I'm also here to learn. And, and as we dialogue and we go through questions together and flip through the Bible together and just learn from our mutual experiences and things that we've gone through, it's, it's one, of the, one of the things about the body of Christ that I just really like. I'm just so encouraged by. Uh, and I always appreciate learning and, and someone that would be willing, like Bianca, to tell me a little bit about how she experiences life <clears throat> um, with, that, with that challenge. Um, with that difficulty. 303-690-3000. Got a text question here. If we are salt of the earth, and that is a good thing, why did Lot's wife turn into a pillar of salt? That's a great question. So basically what you have here are two different things. Maybe you have heard the phrase comparing apples and oranges. Uh, You can't compare apples to oranges. You got to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Uh, And so When Jesus uses the phrase salt of the earth, he's using it metaphorically, not literally, like we're not literally salt. However, when Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt, that was literal. So the two passages actually are not connected. And that's where, where in the world we might describe it comparing apples to apples. In the Bible, we describe it comparing context to context. So in order to answer a question like this, you have to first of all get the definition and the intent of the text when Jesus taught it, and then secondly, we need to get the intention uh, in the context of the text when Lot's wife turned back. And then once we understand the definitions and interpretations of them individually, independently, then we can compare. So using salt of the earth was metaphorically, he was using a picture, and Lot's wife was literally... She was literally turned into a pillar of salt, uh, and it was her disobedience that did that. Uh, and the salt of the earth is just a description of all the properties. You know, salt was a very big commodity in the first century. It, it brought flavor. It brought pre- preservation. And and remember, salt could lose its flavor, and then it would just be trampled underfoot because it would also be thrown on the ground for traction, uh, and in different places. So. Good question. Thanks for asking. 303-690-3000. We have, uh, let's see here. Uh, It looks like it's Mike in Erie, Colorado. Mike, welcome to the program. Uh, Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, First of all, I just want to thank you for everything that you do here with this ministry on Grace FM. I just think it's amazing that uh, I grew up in the South and... um, you know, you, you you can hardly walk down the street without stumbling into a church. But, you know, around a place like Colorado, you know, to have a station like this, that this 24-7 ministry is just uh, really awesome. It's been a huge blessing. Amen. Um, 
So thank you for that. Um, and my question is concerning, uh, I've been listening to your, uh, your, I think it's just Abounding Grace, where you've been discussing in Second Samuel about the life of King David. And the situation with David and Shimei, uh, where, you know, Shimei is hurling yeah. rocks at David uh, when he's running from Saul, and then later David becomes king, and uh, yeah. Shimei comes and begs for forgiveness. Um, and David, you know, graciously gives him that forgiveness, or at least it, it, it seems that way to me. But I've read ahead, and I haven't yeah. heard your uh, sermon on this part. I think it's actually in, it's in Kings, Kings. But when David's on his deathbed, yeah. he's uh, giving Saul, Solomon, you know, advice about ruling, and he mentions that he wants Solomon to give Shimei a bloody death. And it just, <laughs> and it seems, it seems like, whoa, what's going on here? You forgave him. And then now you want Solomon, and I, you know, I was just wondering if you had any insight as to what what changed there. Well, there's a couple of thoughts here, you know, when we get to that. Uh, as one is, I think that he is warning his son that Shimei uh, is ha, is really uh, dangerous, and he needs to watch out for him and mm-hmm. take him take him out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and there's a distinction here uh, that that we have to make, and that is. David was a man of the caves, like he was a rough uh, kind of guy. Uh, he's the kind of guy that took down bears and lions. Uh, he's the guy that took down Goliath, even at a young age, was on the run all those years. He could handle a guy like Shimei. Solomon, and for the sake of a better term, was a mama's boy uh, who grew up in luxury uh, and comfort and ease. And, and perhaps uh, David is looking ahead um, seeing, you know, Joab, watch out for Joab, Barsillai, be nice to him, Shimei, don't hold him guiltless. Like, if you take him out, uh, Solomon, it, it, won't be, it won't be because he's an innocent man. Uh, and, and I just think David is, is setting his son up for success, uh, how difficult these men's, men were, how difficult they are, and how potentially bad. And, you know, Solomon's not a warrior king, so he probably would let it go. Uh, and well, he I, did let it go. He did try to let it go. He put him on house arrest. Right? Yes, and and, and then and then Shimei broke the house arrest, and finally, finally, uh, Benaya or what's his name, his yeah right hand man, and had him take him out. But, and so yeah, you know, there's a couple other yeah. thoughts uh, when it comes to this one. This is the one I lean toward, but and and it was interesting because I just my son serves here on staff with us on our administrative team, and we just had a, a long discussion. Uh, and on our administrative team, and just seeing um, the the characteristics that he has are so mm-hmm. different than I do. That's why we make a good team serving together. And and I think the character it's not the same. He's not like um, you know I, I'm not a man of the caves. It's probably the opposite. I'm more of a uh, my son would be more adept in the caves, and I would be more adept at a keyboard kind of thing. But um, mm-hmm. I think that the 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 point though is that this complementary ministry that we have, uh, especially mm-hmm. in families and, and serving with one another, um, I mm-hmm. think David's ho- holding him up. The other point of view is simply David is old, and, and he uh, lost his patience on his deathbed and said, J- basically, just go take care of Shimei because he's a jerk. Um, <laughs> and he yeah. could have made that failure. You know, He could have made that yeah. failure. But I, yeah. I lean toward the first one. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's. I think it just shows how the Bible just records. It re- it really records real history, and yes. not you know not this uh, sugar coated thing that we think 
you know, we should we should read. It's an actual real event. So, yes. Okay. Well, that that uh, that helps. Well, I do appreciate you too praying for us. You know, because it takes a lot of work and effort behind the scenes of people working at the station here and you know we're not a big corporation so the staff is very small but man do they work hard take care of business and and it's our privilege to have this going 24 7 it was a a vision the lord gave us years ago and now seeing it worked out man it's a lot of work so pray for us would you yeah absolutely i do it all the time but i will uh i will uh do it uh extra extra hard tonight okay thank you brother thank you all right have a good one all right bye-bye 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 is the number. Debbie Loveland, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Hi, Ed. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, my question today is about um, God's sovereignty. Okay. Um, I've been learning a lot over the last several years about God's sovereignty and trying to understand His being in control of everything. Yes. And um, so you know how... A lot of times you hear people say, well, um, if it if that's the way it happened, then that's the way it's meant to be. Or um, if it's meant to be, it will happen. Yes. And um, so I just am kind of trying to understand that. I was reading in the Word about um, uh, Paul, and he said that he was going—I can't remember where he was going, but he said, but Satan— didn't allow him to go, like, yeah. halted him for yeah, it was a Roman, while. Yeah, Acts chapter so, 16. Yeah, and so I'm just trying to understand, you know, all of that in light of God being sovereign. Well, here, you, you often find two things off, uh, working at the same time, and that is God's sovereignty and man's free will. Mm-hmm. Um, God has not made us robots, and so his sovereignty doesn't supersede our uh, individuality and the ability that God has given to us to respond positively or negatively to Him, and I think what what so so really when you're reading through the Scriptures, for example, with Paul, um, it's uh, Paul's writing that in the past tense, so he can look back on it now and say, "I really wanted to go into Bithynia, but I was forbidden," and he he associates. It and and rightly so, he comes to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit forbid me. Uh, for example, um, let's say yesterday I had to run a couple errands and pick up dinner for my daughter, and so I took the long way. I had to go to the post office. So I took the long way and to Chick Fil A, of course. And um, mm-hmm. uh, on the way, <laughs> uh, on the way, um, there was an accident. And let's say that the. Uh, let's say that before I left for Chick-fil-A, um, I, I wanted to go earlier, but I wasn't able to go, right? I, I wanted to go a half hour earlier, but I wasn't able to go. I, instead of going at 6, I went at 6.30, and if I would have gone at 6, uh, I, I probably would have been in that accident. You know, it was a good chance mm-hmm. I would have been in that accident. We don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but a good chance. Mm-hmm. So that when I go home to describe it, I say something like this to my daughter. Oh, you wouldn't believe. I'm so glad we got in that argument that I couldn't leave at 6, thir- six o'clock <laughs> because if we wouldn't have gotten into that argument, and, and I'm so glad God let us get into that argument or whatever I, language I choose to use, where in the moment I don't see the sovereignty of God. But when I begin to reflect upon my life and I begin to see God's hand in my life, I give him more credit. And that, I think that's our greatest problem. We don't give God the credit that he deserves 
We don't give him the glory they deserve. We don't give him the attention that he deserves so that he really is orchestrating things in this life and even using our responses to accomplish his purpose and his will. So with that in mind, I want you to hold on because there's a little bit more to the answer and, of course, your follow-up. But we're coming up on a break, so can I put you back on hold? Sure. Okay, and then we'll come back to this right at the top of the hour. Uh, you're, You're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. We're taking your calls. Got an open line, 303-690-3000. Give me a call. Uh, Talking about things anywhere from uh, blindness to sovereignty of God and everything uh, in between. So whatever's on your mind is what we'll be talking about. Uh, This is Calvary Live on Grace FM, Colorado. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of today's program. So glad that you joined us, you guys on Hope FM, you guys on Truth FM, and of course where the show originates here on the Grace FM radio network. So glad that you're with us. 303-690-3000 is the number. This is the show where we take your calls and questions, your prayer requests. Uh, we talk about real-life issues, and we talk through them together. And there's always something new to learn, always something new to grasp, always somebody to pray for. Uh, as we were reminded uh, that even within the radio station, there are a lot of volunteers and staff that that make this thing uh, stay on the air. I'm just... It's sometimes it's just the technology is great when it works and frustrating when it doesn't. And of course, there's everyone that gives. You want to talk about behind the scenes people, you guys that give faithfully to support Grace FM. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, If you want to give, uh, we would use your resources for the furtherance of the gospel. You'll share in the fruit of the station. You can go to gracefm.com, gracefm.com, and you can support Grace FM. If you're listening on Hope FM, they can use support. Truth FM can use support, and uh, it's uh, these are church-owned stations. They're not uh, corporate-run stations. They're church-owned stations, and uh, uh, we're grateful to have them. Uh, also, I just want to make it clear: I received a little note uh, from a daughter that I referenced earlier, and she wanted to make sure everybody knows that yesterday we did not argue. It is hypothetical. I guess I didn't mention that. It was a hi- the accidents were not hypothetical, but the arguing was. We did not argue and delay. So just want to make sure we clear the air. Uh, and uh, and so thank you for keeping me honest there, Katie. Uh, so back to the phone lines, Debbie. Are you still with me? Yeah, I'm still here. So yes, there was no major argument, but I'm using it. I did pass <laughs> a couple accidents, and so you know we don't always acknowledge the sovereignty of God as we should, uh, because God is sovereign, whether we acknowledge it or not. And there's not one renegade molecule in all of the universe that, that God hasn't ordained or allowed uh, in, in this sin-soaked culture. And mm-hmm. one of the problems that I think, besides not acknowledging the sovereignty of God, is there have been many uh, through the years that have tried to reconcile 
and make fit within our minds God's sovereignty and man's free will or the mm-hmm. ability. So there's a couple of extremes. Uh, you know, one is just explain man's free will completely out of it. There's no way he could have free will. Uh, another extreme is that um, just explain God's sovereignty out of it and he just lets man run. But there's a balance because they're both taught very clearly in the scriptures. And, and, and what we have to be careful of is how the free will of man cooperates with the sovereignty of God is a, is a mystery. We aren't fully told how it operates. And, and even if we were told, it still wouldn't be enough for us. Uh, remember in Isaiah, it says God's ways are not our ways. You know, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so there's a lot of mysteries that this thing, this should, this should really put us in awe of God. And, you know, there's always these, these questions then that say, well, wait a minute, then why is my, you know, or, or, you know for me, uh, I can say this myself, why did my son die? If God's sovereign, he could have saved my son. Uh, but mm-hmm. then I would not be totally honest with the revelation of God's word that says that sin caused death, not God. Right. Sin caused right. death, and so there's a factor there uh, in this sin-soaked world that the wages of sin is always death. The only thing about my uh, son's passing when he did, well, there's quite a few things, but is that it happened much too early, in my opinion. Um, but, mm-hmm. but I know, like Paul, when I get to the other side of this and I, I'm in the presence of the Lord, it will all make sense. So right. one other thing. Well, we'll go ahead and follow up. I'll, I'll wait for my last point. Um. Well, one other thing in trying to understand this and trying to explain to somebody that's very dear to me, um, we were talking about God's will and God's will always being done in the life of a Christian. Yes. And I don't know, I don't know if that is a true statement or not, because the question was, well, then what about when a Christian is raped or when a Christian is murdered? Surely that's not God's will. And if it's not God's will then his will isn't always done in the life of a Christian. So I don't know how to answer that. Well, and that's a good, I mean, you, what, we're, what, we're fa- what we're dealing with is the reality of pain and difficulty and trying to associate, like, for example, somebody that would be so horrifically violated in rape. How can that possibly be the will of God? Because we equate the will of God with his prescriptive good will, like, and we forget right. that, that the Bible doesn't say that everything in life is good. Uh, and also, God does, the Bible doesn't say that everything in life was authored by God. For example, um, all that happened to Job, God did not do to Job. God mm-hmm. allowed it, but he didn't do it. Uh, and, and some people would say, well, but wait a minute, by allowing it, he did it. But there's a distinction that God makes because... He says in Romans chapter 8 that God works all things together for the good. So that means there are good things that get worked together combined with the bad things. And so when we, when we say that, uh, could we say that um, a woman that was violated in such a way was fulfilling the will of God? Um, I would be very careful not to say that. Um, but that's the last thing a person, a, a, a precious woman that has been violated needs to hear. Um, instead, I would change the discussion to talk about the, the comfort of God and the healing of God. Um, but if we were in a seminary talking about uh, static things in a classroom somewhere, 
um, mm -hmm. trying to determine in our minds theologically, um, does, does something so ugly um, come within the realm of the will of God? The answer is yes, it does. God's not going, his, not even someone's sin is going to thwart the purposes of God. But I wouldn't say that God purposed it, and I wouldn't say God sent it, because God's not the author of any sin. So he did, we know that he's not the origin of such a horrific act. Um, but right. will it be used within the purposes of his will? It, it will. And, and so I, I don't think it is his will, you know, like, oh yeah, God just... Because, you know, people have taken that and used it to substantiate abuse and, mm -hmm. and say, well, it's just God's will for you to submit and let your husband abuse you. Absolutely not. That's not God's heart at all. God didn't author this kind of sin. Uh, and, and you go, well, then, Ed, why does he allow it? Well, the issue with God's will in our lives is often a matter of timing because that wrong will be made right. Mm -hmm. It just won't right. be made right. Uh, in, I mean, maybe that person will go to jail and get caught and, and pay the price, um, but still... The pain that's done to, to someone, and men also get raped, you know, that the pain that's done to someone that's violated like that uh, is going to last. They're going to be hurting and damaged, and, you know, it's, it's going to be hard and difficult. But to associate that and say, well, that's just God's will, I don't believe the Bible teaches that. Um, right. You know, I, right. Don't, I don't think that's an accurate statement. But in the panoramic picture, even murder was a part of the will of God. And you go, Ed, how is that possible? Well, Jesus Christ died for the sins right. of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but God didn't kill him. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sure does. It and, sure does. And so we just have to be careful, especially if we're... So let's turn the discussion just a little bit now to to in, in, instruct us, because we have to be careful when... Let's say that you and I were... And, and my wife and your husband, we're, the four of us, are ministering to this hurting woman. Mm -hmm. what, that, what that woman needs in from the four of us is not a theological lesson or even a theological explanation um, as we're talking right now, as we're processing. What they need is comfort and encouragement. Um, mm -hmm. They need to be brought to the places in the Bible that reveals the, the all-loving, caring nature of God. And, and maybe one day they might want to talk theologically about it, but I find that many believers, they jump into explain, trying to explain things when... They aren't building anyone's faith up trying to explain it. Um, you know, they're yeah, that's not helpful. It's not, we, and we don't live on explanations. I, I remember, um, and we have to learn too. Uh, on the flip side of this, it's interesting you bring up such a, a difficult situation because um, I've been ministering to a, a few people um, that have a rape situation in their family, and it's a very painful, hard, destructive sin. And it hits at so many different places in a person's life, in the family's life, and and on and on. And and the 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 reality of of ministering to them, you know, and coming alongside of them, is is really helping them see the faithfulness of God, uh, in mm. the goodness of God, even in the midst of difficulty and and in a difficulty like this. And so we we just have to be careful that we minister to people, not problems. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so quickly, we want to solve someone's problem. And believers are really good. I remember when my son passed away, there were many people that wanted to express themselves to me, and I appreciate that, and it was very encouraging, and notes and cards. And, and when I came back, people after church, and one gal came up to me, and she said, you know, Pastor Ed, I'm, I know exactly how you feel. 
Um, I've been really grieving and mourning and going through it, and 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 I was appreciating that. And she ended, uh, she ended her statement. I've been really going through it because you know last week my dog died. Oh no! And, oh. and and I think in 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 terms of the hurting person, we also have to make allowances because I really believe she was trying to encourage me. I really believe mm-hmm. she cared for me. Uh, I really believe that she wanted to express herself to me, but didn't quite fully grasp how to do that so she did the best way that she could and and so even those of us that have been hurt or grieving or going through stuff we have to learn to make allowances for other people so that even if they make a mistake trying to comfort us we should really celebrate the fact that they tried and instead of letting the enemy beat us up all over again like you know doesn't she know well it was a real hurt for her it wasn't the same hurt but it was real and uh, mm-hmm. and and so I we have to learn to train ourselves. It's not always easy, but to just to say thank you, and and accept that as someone's attempt to to be a comfort. And I think you know when it comes to reconcile these things, some people might even make a mistake and say, "Well, this is the will of God." And you're like, "Come on now." Um, yet you might in one way be theologically correct on a high level, but there are so many different levels to get that theology down to the heart of a person. Don't skip those levels. Right, right. That's true. Right. That that comes with your maturity in the Lord, I think. You know, listen to, and I know there are people listening to me that are just like really resistant to what I'm saying and saying, Ed, wait a minute, how can you say theologically and bring it down? But remember when Jesus, when that woman that was caught in the midst of adultery was thrown down before Jesus, did Jesus give a Bible study on adultery? Right. <laughs> did did he say, well, exactly how far did you get? And like, did he, he didn't do any, he said, it's all your, he, did he look her in the eye and say, it's all your fault? It's a, you, I can't believe you're such a, lo-. no, he ministered to the person mm-hmm. without and losing the holiness <laughs> and the righteousness. Uh, and, and, you know, you and I don't even have that. Like, we're not God in human flesh. He was mm-hmm. able to serve her as it's recorded in the scriptures without losing one nano iota of a holiness in his life mm-hmm. and right. i think people want to be so biblically accurate that they become so humanly hurtful that it's okay to address the pain in front of you and just be open to the holy spirit that would keep you biblically accurate and sometimes it's just not saying something uh and instead of trying to make a biblical point that may come later you know as there's healing involved and I remember um, in the beginning, not a lot of people were opening the Bible to me, but later on, people were opening the Bible, and one brother, a very dear brother here, one of the elders, he opened up and showed me a scripture that said, hey, um, the psalmist says You're, the day, our days are numbered by the Lord. You know, that, uh, I didn't like reading that, mm-hmm. but I really wouldn't have liked it you know, week two or week three, um, mm-hmm. and it's just timing. But back to the broader sense, you know, the sovereignty of God is 100% a biblical um, truth. And Absolutely. I just think that it's been, that my last point on, on, my, on this was, I think it's been misunderstood and misconstrued, especially in terms, it's been confused as fate, as if God's sovereignty means everything's fixed and you don't have a choice in the matter. And that's just not biblically accurate. We do have choices in how we respond. (laughs) And fate is just like, hey, that's the way it is. You just deal with it. 
And the reality with God's sovereignty is this is the way it is, and God's going to work all things together for the good. It's painful and it's hurtful, but it's not outside the plan of God. Mm-hmm. And and He's going to work it together. Right, right. I I completely agree with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor Ed, so much for your just your careful, you know, thought as you um, explained all of this to me and. I just appreciate it so much. I know that the Lord is using all of this, not only in my heart, but in, you know, people that are listening. So thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Look forward to um, what your next question might be. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All righty. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number, and I know that these are, and we have open lines. It's a pretty slow day today, Frank. Um, We have open lines, so give me a call if you've never been able to get in on the show before. Uh, give me a call, 303-690-3000. We are live up and down the front range of Colorado. was looking at our new uh, packet. It was put in front of me, our new promotional packet for the station. The station has a potential reach of th- over 3.5 million people. That's unbelievable. That doesn't mean 3.5 million people listen, but the, the audience coverage of this rate, of our both of our radio signals uh, is over three and a half million people. Now, it's nothing compared to my buddy up in New Jersey who, um, uh, in their Manhattan, they've got a, they have a radio station, Bridge FM, that reaches all of Manhattan. So they dwarf us just with that station. But man, um, this is over 80% of Colorado's population. And we want more. So pray for us. Maybe the Lord's been putting on your heart to reach um, people in prisons. We, we are actively searching for a station down in Canyon City. And we could use your financial support to do that. Uh, so if you want to give, and God's just been giving you something, you know, I, I want to invest in the kingdom. Um, I've got a, maybe an inheritance or something, you know, sold a house, whatever. Um, we will use it for the kingdom. It'd be We really want to buy the station cash too and not have to take a loan out of it. So pray for us, would you? Pray for us, financially support us. Um, it'd be awesome. Gracefm.com for that. Um, well, let's get back to the phone lines. Mario in Denver, Colorado. Mario, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you? Good, man. What's up? Not much. Just uh, um, actually driving from the tech center home, and I usually, uh, I, I'll be honest, I, I hop over from 89.7 to 104.3 to fan. Uh, oh, what? You know, some Broncos. But Broncos? I, I know Who are the Broncos? Today, so I, I wanted to listen. Who are the Broncos? No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I know you're a California guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to make it clear. I'm often misunderstood. If you want to give me Broncos tickets, I will take them. You'll no. definitely go, especially <laughs> when they play the, the, the Chargers, maybe. Right? Eh, it doesn't matter. As long as I can go. I can only go on Thursdays and Sunday nights anyway, or Monday nights, you know, because of church. But um, yeah. you know, I'm not a Broncos hater. I just like, I can always get a rise out of people in our church by talking about the snow, the Broncos, and the Rockies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, John Alley is from, from Granada Hills, or at least he uh, played high school football there. So, <laughs> Yes. Okay, let's get back to business. What can I do for you? You know, I, uh, I, I called maybe, I would say two years ago, I always enjoy uh, your teaching. I love, uh, you know, just the, the word by word, our book to book of the Bible. And uh, I've been doing ministry here in Denver the last 10 years. And uh, more recently, just with all the, the different things happening in our country, and especially with uh, politics, I just wanted to get your your biblical take on on it as as a 
you know, in my opinion, I, I see a lot of uh, stances kind of being backfired on, on, on certain people as far as how they, it, it, to me, it's almost as if, and I'll be specific, um, you know, when we were talking about the border, uh, I had some debates with certain people that, you know, and they said, well, you know, that's the law, and, and uh, you know, these folks need to obey the law, and that's biblical. And then, you know, even uh, the uh, the um, attorney general came out and, and uh, Jeff Sessions and said, you know, quoted, I think, Romans. And, and But when we're talking about asylum, you know, asylum is a different law. There are international treaties and laws. And so my, my question isn't in so much to to de- decipher what the law is, but sure. just as Christians, you know, where, you know, I know like there were zealots at the time of Christ where they wanted him to take over, you know, uh, overtake the Roman Empire at that time. And what is your biblical take on how we should really approach, you know, uh, that, you know, and I use the, uh, I'll finish with this, that, you know, render to Caesars what is Caesars, but yes. render to God what is God. Well, I and think it's so, a good question, just, you know, because the, the, the reality of the world in which we live is ever-changing, and so is the political landscape. And what I've generally found with um, Christians is if they like the person in office, uh, then they're very um, active in politics and, and, and have a peace, a, almost a false sense of peace. And when they don't like people in office— then it often brings a rise in their lives, and they want to rise up for what is righteous. and And I've said I've said this often, and this is this is Pastor Ed talking as well as just Ed Taylor, a fellow believer. and And I'll just be blunt for everyone listening in. You don't have to agree with me; uh, it's perfectly okay. But but I firmly believe this: if if believers would spend as much time in their relationship with Jesus Christ as they do, and this is some believers as they do getting all fired up on uh, in politics and social media and everything, uh, the Church would make a tremendous difference in the world today. Um, because I think that there's some misplaced energy and misplaced passion when it comes to um, politics or even nationalism. Now, I know that, that that can be easily misunderstood as some kind of downplay of politics or nationalism, and it's not. I would be misunderstood that way. Um, I think we should be grateful for the nation that we're in. We should be grateful for our citizenship. We should be grateful for the ability to to be in a semi-democracy or in a republic, to to have our voice heard through the voting process. I mean, we have been we have been given so much in this particular country that we should not only be appreciative, but the Bible says, "To whom much is given, much is required." Uh, and and when these topics come up, um, I think that. We, we have lost in, in our culture in general, but also as believers, we've, we've lost the art of nuance. Uh, and what I mean by that is just what I did with the earlier caller. Like We have to slow down in our conversation and remember that we're dealing with people here, um, people to people, and, and, and never forget that Jesus Christ died for people, not policies. He died for people and not politics. And so whatever we get into, whether it's politics, hobbies, it doesn't matter what we get into and what might take our passion, our, it should always be secondary, at the very least, to our passion for the Lord. Remember what Jesus said? But seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's the rulership that we want to seek first. And then all these things, will be, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And and so when talking about something like immigration, um, you've, got two, you've got two sides that actually are basically have right points. They may not right, be right in everything that they say, but you've got basically two, 
two types of argument, I mean, two people that are in the same argument, having some truth to their point, talking past each other and never really meeting each other. There is a value to those people that are in the midst of the consequences of their decisions. And, and at the same time, they're people, they're families, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're suffering the consequences of their sin. And what should we be doing with people that suffer the consequence of their sin? We should be compassionate. Uh, we should be loving. We should be caring. And I think you can be compassionate, loving, and caring and be a proponent of the law at the same time. But because we've lost the art of nuance, because we've lost the art of maybe even compassion, it's hard for people to make both those points at the same time. Because let let's just be clear, it's easier to make a political point than it is to make a biblical point. It's easy to just uphold the law than it is to, man, I wonder how mom's feeling then. I wonder how the mom's feeling that she can't see her three-year-old baby. And I wonder what I could do to help instead of, well, you know, uh, she came here illegally. She deserves it. Does she? I mean, where's the compassion for what sin has done? It's like looking at a homeless person. Let's take it out of the political realm. It says, well, you know, the homeless person, they, they probably just want it. Well, did you ask them? Like, have you talked to them? What's their name? Um, what's their story? Uh, well, I don't know. They're just homeless. You know, and, and so I don't, it's just not becoming of, of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives that the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against these there's no law. And, and I think that God has put into our hearts a loving compassion where I was in Bangkok recently, and we were there to encourage our missionaries, and they took us. Um, one of the things that one of our missionaries is doing is they, she is ministering to those that are caught in the immigration issues in Bangkok. And she took us to an immigration holding place, which was, was a horrific place, horrific living conditions. And we went for one hour, the one-hour visiting hour. Uh, and what they allow you to do is they allow you to take food because they don't have any of those creature comforts that we have here. So you take food, diapers, and things, and you can give it to them um, when you visit. And mm. and I mean, it. it, it I, I still when I when I'm thinking of it, just talking about it right now, I'm still processing how hard it was to be there. Uh, and it would be easy to say, well, you know, they deserve it, and um, whether they do or not, I mean, I'm. That's not my job. I'm not a police officer. Um, I'm not ICE. You know, if ICE or the immigration folks have to do their job, that's what they've been paid to do. That's what they they get paid to do. That, as a matter of fact, a pastor friend of mine is a border patrol agent, and he patrols the border with compassion, but he does his job, uh, and that's what that's what he gets paid for. That's his calling. He's got a lot of ministry to these families as he meets them. He's in uh, Texas, so he gets to speak Spanish to them and minister to them. I think of my boy who was a police officer, but he was a believer. Yeah. He was doing his job as a police officer, but compassionate and loving. And, you know, there's a lot to be said. I guess a whole show could be um, um, done on that. But the reality is is that if we could just learn the what what I'm calling nuance, other people call tact, or the ability to have a real valued conversation where if we put things in order, what's the order? Is the order the law of the land or is the order the heart of the matter, like the person? And I think Jesus made it clear. He says, you guys, he told the religious rulers, you'll even save your donkey on the Sabbath and you won't heal somebody. 
and and I think that that principle can be drawn out. I mean, you'll you'll make exceptions when it benefits you, but when it doesn't benefit you, you're going to take a strong political stand. And I, and I think it's our responsibility. Many people have died for our freedoms. They've fought wars, Amen. our yeah. fathers and our uncles. And, you know, we have people deployed right now from our church, and they, they have suffered greatly for our freedoms. And we don't want to take our freedoms for granted. Uh, we don't want to take their sacrifices for granted. So it's not like a disengagement, but I think if we engage at the right order, a lot more compassion will flow. And a lot more opportunities for salvation will happen. Mm. So, Amen. I mean, and, and I and I love that you said that, and I think that's the biggest key for me is that those folks who are on the border line of you know really walking with Christ are fully given their life because they don't understand you know some of the intricacies yes. of the Bible. They may fall away from the faith because yes. of this stance when it's not fully vetted out as, as you, you so eloquently spoke. And I, I love that balance in, in, in how you describe it. So thank you. And I, and I just think if we can, if there's one simple principle that we can adopt walking in the spirit, living for Jesus Christ and the, and what he modeled for us is he always dealt with the person first, not the problem. Mm. And Christians have a tendency to label a person by their sin first and never move on from that. And we need to flip it back around. The show's up, my friend, so thanks for calling. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Hey, you hear the music. We're out of here. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow. God bless you. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.